Hello, I'm Wendy Friesen, and this is Podcast 102, and I invite you to sleep with me. Oh, yes. Well, because I'm a hypnotist, and that's what we do, we put people to, in quotes, to sleep, but we don't really put people to sleep. That's just kind of what people think. You're in trance, you're relaxed, you're working on making your life a whole lot better, but you're not really asleep. If you fall asleep, you know, it's probably not working. (laughs) It's not that you went so deep, but there is a difference between being asleep and being in a really deep trance. So we will talk about some of that today, but what I really want you to stay like just totally tuned in and pay attention to today is miracles. And I'm going to talk about some hypnosis miracles. So I have been doing this work for over 20 years and I've been seeing clients, I've been doing workshops and I have done online shows and radio shows on stations and and I have had so many miracles. I want to share them with you today. If you're a hypnotherapist, You already know about all the miracles that happen in the strange and unusual things that we do with our clients and groups and at workshops. But if you're not a hypnotherapist or you're new at this, it's important to understand what the potential is for using hypnosis and hypnotherapy with your clients. So in a group, individually, on the internet, whatever way you're going to be doing this, there is the potential for miracles. Now, one interesting thing I've found is that there are people having these miracles happen from like listening to my recordings or listening to a podcast or finding a video and they don't tell me about it. You know, it's just like for them, it's like, oh man, this happened. That's really cool. But you know, maybe years later, all of a sudden they email me and they say, oh, by the way, you know, 10 years ago, (laughs) you got rid of my migraines that I had three times a week. They were just gone after I listened to this recording or someone says, you know, I, I meant to tell you that I had all these food allergies and that I was so limited in what I could eat. And I listened to your allergy freedom program and got rid of my food allergies and I slowly tested different foods and I can eat everything that I want now. So it's fun and it's exciting and it's very rewarding. And I'm going to tell you about some of the really cool miracles that we can create. So first of all, I have to tell you that when I've done work on myself, there's often a part of me that doesn't really believe that it's going to work. You know, it would be easier if I were to be in a, an office with a practitioner and I'm there in the chair and they put on the soft music and I have the belief aspect and the expectation of them being an expert and they're going to do it to me. But when I do things to myself... I, I, there's a part of me that isn't totally positive that, oh yeah, this is going to work. Yay. Rah, rah, rah. So here's a really simple example. And this was many years ago. And I think I was very new at, um, being a hypnotherapist. So I had a ring on my finger and it was kind of stuck for whatever reason. And, uh, a few days went by and my finger was getting kind of swollen and kind of strange colors were coming up. And I couldn't get the ring off. I tried icing it. I tried soaping it. I tried doing it in the morning and different times of the day. So probably over a week had gone by and I had tried pretty hard. So it was time to take some drastic measures and have the ring cut off, which, you know, I really didn't want to do because it was a very nice ring. So I decided that before I went to the jeweler to have it cut off, 
I was going to see if I could use hypnosis to get my finger to uh, bring down the swelling so the ring would come off. And again, I wasn't sure that this could possibly happen. Here's what I did, and here's what you can do in any part of your body that you're trying to have an effect. First, you want to put yourself into a relaxed state. You want to get your body and your mind into a comfortable place physically, and then make sure that you're not going to have a phone ringing or anything, and get yourself relaxed through methods you've probably learned from me by counting yourself down from 10 to 1 or whatever method you use to put yourself into trance. Then go inside of your body. So with your eyes closed, you would imagine that your your awareness is from the point of behind your eyes and you're kind of in your brain. So you might be wanting to fix something that's in your head or your brain, your neck, or you want to release some tension or pain from a part of your body, or you want to encourage a part of your body to heal or something like that. So now you would go down into your body from the inside to that place in your body. So here's what I did with my finger. I went down through my arm inside and imagined seeing inside of my finger that was so swollen and that the ring was constricting. And I imagined from in there that I was letting the fluids and the blood flow retract from the finger and make its way through the finger down into the hand and arm. And I imagined that finger reducing the swelling very quickly. And then I also imagined that I was very easily pulling the ring off a very short time later. So I imagined that happening. And again, I had not much expectation that it would work, but I did it anyway, even, you know, because there's no downside and it's free and it took me all of, you know, five minutes or so. So a couple hours later, I was driving in the car and I was going somewhere and I was at a red light and I just reached to my ring with my other hand and I slipped it off of my finger. It was the weirdest thing. I wasn't like, okay, now it's time. It's going to work. I just kind of unconsciously reached over there and it slipped off my finger so easily. I had an effect on the swelling in my finger, even though I didn't necessarily believe that it would work. I sent the instructions while in trance to the inside workings of my finger and somehow it worked and it slipped off. And I thought that was pretty cool. But that's just an example of the things you can do. Do you want to try to get rid of some condition or some pain or something? And we've got, oh, so many things that we have really good evidence of the work that we do having an effect on that. So one of them is a client I had who, um, she came to me for her fear of driving. She just had a terrible time being on the road. She would have to stop the car and throw up all the time. So she came to me for probably four to six sessions. And she also had mentioned that she is going to have surgery in about a month in both of her wrists for her carpal tunnel. So they had done MRIs and they could see the damage that this carpal tunnel was causing in her wrists, it was causing the pain. And it was, it was definitely something they see on the MRI that it's there. There's evidence of this carpal tunnel damage. So every session that we did that was about her driving fears, at the end of it, 
I would also ask her mind to go down inside of her body and go down through her arm inside and look at her wrists and the joints and start to repair the damage. And again, I didn't have a lot of expectation that this would work or have any effect at all, but I thought, you know, it can't hurt. We'll do it. And so then I would go down into the other wrist and have her imagine that she's repairing the damage and then imagining that her wrists have no more pain, they're flexible and they feel good, you know, and that's fine. So at the end of each session, over the period of a month, I did a few minutes of working on her wrists healing. So anyway, we're done with the, she's happy, she can drive, she doesn't puke when she's in a car anymore and, and she feels really confident. So she goes to the surgery, and the day before the surgery, they did another MRI just to check the condition. Of course, they were expecting it to have gotten worse. And they said, wow, the strangest thing, there's no damage in your wrists. The carpal tunnel is gone. And she told me that she says they didn't do the surgery because it was gone, and it was healed. (laughs) And while... You know, we don't have evidence and studies in the mechanism and we don't have the drugs and the placebo trials and everything to prove why something like this would happen. Hypnotherapists all over the world see these miraculous things happen. And, you know, you just, you've got to pay attention and understand how much your mind, your subconscious mind is affecting the communication with every cell in your body and also with the emotion and the trauma and the things in your brain, those memories that are flooding your body with chemicals to keep you sick. So now, more stories, <laughs> okay? Um, you're going to enjoy some of these. Some are a little bit weird, but I think uh, it will inspire you to take a little more responsibility for what's happening in your body. The um, young boy who came to me, who is seven years old, he wet the bed all of his life. And here he's, you know, seven and he really wants to quit wetting the bed, but he's never had a successful dry night. And he was so sweet and so cute and just seven. So I worked with him and I told him a story about a dolphin and about the little baby dolphin's blowhole and how the baby dolphin had to learn how to close that blowhole tight. So no water could get in or out, you know, and when it needed to, it, the blowhole could open and it could take breaths, but But when it needed to, that blowhole would close tight. And we also did a session similar to what I described earlier, where I had him go into his brain and find the control room in his brain that knew how to make that special place in his body, which we had discussed. We didn't want to use embarrassing words, but we called it that special place in his body that knew how to stay closed tight all night. And we found in his brain a place where there was a lever or a button that he could turn on to close tight all night before he went to sleep. But then we took a trip down through his body inside, going down from his brain where that switch was, all the way down through his body into the place in his body where he knew how to pee when he wanted to pee and where his brain and his body knew how to keep it closed tight all night. So we explored how his body does that. And I had him imagine that, you know, and this is just pretend, so everything's going to stay dry right now. But you imagine you're going to the bathroom during the day and your brain knows how to open it and how to close it, how to start peeing and how to stop peeing. So what we were doing here was getting the brain to connect with that ability to stay closed tight. So then... um, 
he went home that day. <laughs> Next day, his mom called me and put him on the phone. And it was so sweet. And he said, Wendy, I just had the best day of my life. <laughs> was so cute. And he told me that for the first time ever, he woke up dry. It, for him, it was a miracle. And you consider all the things that his parents had done to try and help him. It's so many things and nothing had worked, including one which is actually very damaging, which is there's these alarms that you can have the kids wear that wakes them up if they pee a little bit. Um, but I think that's really bad because it's interrupting their sleep patterns and it's actually teaching their brain to, you know, to wake up or get jolted awake at the wrong times. So, um, Hypnosis works very well for bedwetting, and there's like thousands or millions of people who know this, but maybe you don't, and you want to try it. And it's not real difficult, but kids need to have something that helps them take charge of their body. Okay, so uh, here's here's one that's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of weird. There was a woman who listened to a recording I have. It's called Heal Your Body, and it's just one session that's about 30 minutes long, it has this imaginary disk of light at the top of your head, and we state that this disk of light has wisdom. It knows what cells are healthy. It knows what cells are damaged. It knows which cells are, back, are filled with bacteria or viruses, um, how to sweep out toxins from your body and leave behind the most healthy condition that has been touched and blessed and rejuvenated with the power of this disk of light. You know, and it's just a metaphor. It's just your imagination. Or is it? <laughs> well, uh, there was a woman who listened to that session, and it was the first time she had listened to it, and she was laying in bed. And she told me that after she was done with the session, about 10 or 15 minutes later, she says, I've got this, um, this really weird feeling in my belly, because she had had some problems in her uterus. And she says, I got this really strange feeling. And um it was it was feeling a little bit intense, and so I went and made a warm bath, and I laid in the bathtub. And while I laid there in the bathtub, I actually passed a tumor that has been in my uterus, and they were going to surgically remove this tumor. She says, it came out of my body while I was in that bathtub. And as a result, she didn't have to have surgery, and that tumor was released, which I know, I I hear you, it is miraculous, unexpected. We can't say why or how the body can do that, but it does. Okay. Um, another one, this was really interesting. This woman, she was about 20 years old and every time that she had been to the doctor's office from the time she could remember from very young, as soon as she saw the actual doctor, she fainted. And <laughs> was getting very bothersome because she couldn't go have, um, you know, a doctor's appointment because she would faint every time. And then they had to work on that. And, um, she had tried many things, you know, they'd tried all kinds of medications and things like that and nothing had worked. So we did a session that was called regression to cause. And if you're not familiar with that, it means that a hypnotherapist while you're in trance asks your mind to go back to the original cause of that problem. So you might have, um, as a client, you might have the feeling get like bigger and more real that whatever that subconscious fear is in this case of being at the doctor. So we had her go back to the original experience that created that fear. 
Well, the story is actually kind of a long one, but the short version is she went back to the experience of just after she was born. Her mother had never shared any information about her birth with her, uh, but my client went through what she imagined to be real about her birth. And as she's laying in the recliner, she suddenly quit talking and I said, what's going on? She very quietly told me that her entire body suddenly got extremely like heavy and everything went dark. And she says, I feel like I'm unconscious. I don't think I'm dead, but I feel like I'm unconscious. Well, when someone is going through a regression experience and they're re-experiencing something traumatic, they're viewing it from their adult mind, but they're feeling it and experiencing the way that it was then because it's still stored in their brain and their body. So she felt that everything had gone dark and that she was unconscious. And so we we kind of went through what was happening and she felt that a quite a bit of time had passed and then she came to and she told me where she was as this infant and who was in the room and she described like the different people, doctors and nurses and all these people who were in the room. So now she went to ask her mom about her birth and find out about her birth. And this was interesting because she actually was very correct in what actually happened during her birth and what her mom had never shared with her and what she had experienced in our regression. Whether or not, you know, birth memories are real or you believe that or not, for her, it was verified that indeed these people were there and she actually described the doctor Um, that her mother said, wow, that's definitely the doctor and those are the people who are in there. And you did go unconscious for quite a long time um, right after your birth. And so this created a trigger possibly that caused her to faint when she went to the doctors. Well, the reason that we know that this is probably the original cause is because she never fainted again at a doctor's office. And she didn't have to go like, okay, I can do this. I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to be okay. What happened was she went to the doctor and she was okay. (laughs) I mean, there was no buildup to like, okay, I got this. It just happened. So um, there's an agoraphobic. And you know what agoraphobia is, right? It's when you don't leave your house. So this, I had an online show that I did, and it was a live show where the um, the listeners would actually chat with each other, and the same people would come back week after week. It was really fun, and this woman that um, had won a program I have called Happiness One Hundred and One, um, because I would have contests every every show, and so she won it, and I mailed it to her. We didn't have downloads back then. Um, And we didn't know she was an agoraphobic. That wasn't something she had shared with anybody. But anyway, she gets the program. I guess she listened to it. And then next week when I had the show in the chat room, she says, you won't believe what happened to me. So I got the happiness 101 and I listened to it. And she says, on the fourth day after I got it, I got up, went to my front door and went out the door. I got in my car and went to the grocery store. She says, the reason that this is so important is that I have not left my house in eight years. I have not gone out the front door in eight years. 
She said, <laughs> so she went to the grocery store in her car by herself. She says, the next day I felt so good, I went fishing with my husband. And since then, I've kept in touch with her. She has been having a normal life. She's just going everywhere she wants to go and being a happy person. Well, I don't know which of the sessions in the Happiness 101 really affected her, but there are many sessions in it. So something clicked and something got rid of that fear and that reason that she was not leaving the house. And even more interesting is that like several months later when I was talking with her in email, I said, could you just do me a favor and tell me what what different things you have done to try and get rid of your agoraphobia over the years? So she writes me this long email about how many medications they've had her on, how many different psychiatrists she's been to, how many MDs, the tests that she's had done, how many counselors and psychologists and all the things. In fact, at one point, she said that there's a psychiatrist that had her on 28 medications all at the same time to try and cure this. Can you imagine the horrible interactions and the mental pain and anguish and side effects of having all of those medications together? It, it's mind-boggling. So they keep doing this and nothing's working. But no one suggested that she go to a hypnotherapist and look for the cause. But just listening to the program, Happiness 101, which has several sessions on finding what it is that makes you happy, something clicked. And she didn't have to go, okay, I can do this today. I got it. I'm going outside. She just went outside and got in her car and did what normal people do. And then went fishing with her husband. (laughs) So cool. Very excited about that. All right. I got a lot of these. Boy, oh boy. Um, A client of mine that had migraines. I've had 99.9% total success in getting rid of people's migraines. There's only one client that I haven't been able to get rid of her migraines, but um, all the rest we have. So this was an interesting story because this woman was taking a lot of medication for her migraines and she would have every week on the same day would have these horrendous migraines that would just you know debilitate her for days. And then you know the, um, the injections you give yourself for the migraines and medication, Emetrex or whatever it is, you get immune to that. So it no longer works and you have to have more and more and it's got its own side effects. Well, this client, I had done regression to cause, which I talked about earlier, and we had her regress to the initial event, the very first time she felt what it is she's feeling right now when she gets a migraine. So I don't assume that I know what that feeling is. We just describe it as you're going to go back to that very first time you felt that when you had the same feeling you get when you're having a migraine now and go back. So, you know, go all the way back to that very first time. And she's laying there very comfortable in my recliner until all of a sudden her body gets really stiff and her head kind of turns back and she's not breathing and she's not talking and you can tell she's very uncomfortable. And I said, what's going on? And she couldn't talk to me. It was like she wasn't breathing, which was a little disconcerting. So I said, I'm going to touch your shoulder and when I do, your body is going to relax. You're going to take a slow, easy breath and you're going to stay right there in that memory. On the count of three, your body's going to relax. Take a breath. Ready? One, two, three. And I touched her shoulder. Her body relaxed and she went, (gasps) (sighs) 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 
And he said, okay, just relax, but stay right there in the memory. I want you to tell me what you're aware of. What is happening right now? And she says, my husband, which is her ex-husband now, but at the time it was her husband, says, my husband has his hands on my neck. He's choking me and he's trying to kill me. And his hands are on my neck and I can't breathe and I'm afraid I'm going to die. So we worked through this and released the trauma of this memory. And I also asked her, um, you know, where are you at? Uh, what day is it? What year is it? Things like that. And it turns out it was a Thursday. And guess what day she always got the migraines on? It was on Thursday. Something in her subconscious mind just had so much fear of that day because that was the day she was, he was trying to choke her to death. And obviously he did not succeed in killing her, but did leave her with these debilitating migraines that she's had for years and years and years. So after that, no more migraines. They're gone. Because after we're done with the regression to cause, then what we do is we talk about how her brain is going to feel healthy and clear. And it's easy to release that. And any time that there's any any tension or any uncomfortable feelings that she doesn't like, she's going to use her trigger, that is to release the stress from her body, take that deep breath, and put her into that state of mind where she knows everything is going to be okay. Um, that one was pretty miraculous. She'd done a lot of work with doctors and, you know, medications and all the things to try to get rid of her migraines. There was another woman that had migraines since she was in second grade. And (laughs) as an adult, she still had a lot of migraines, but we we did regression to cause and she went back to a moment, um, in, in the classroom in second grade. And she heard the teacher and her talking, her mother talking to each other, and there was something about hearing the word stupid, and she felt really embarrassed because they were talking about her. And it turned out the problem that she had is she says, I couldn't see the board. I needed glasses, but I didn't know there was anything wrong with me, and I didn't know about glasses, but my eyes were blurry. And so they were talking about me, and who knows what they said, but somehow she felt really humiliated and embarrassed when they were talking about her together. Never since that day, she had had migraines. We went and worked on that and released that. She never had migraines again. Migraines always seem to have some emotional cause. I know they say that, you know, they can be triggered by red wine or chocolate or bright lights or these things. But an article I read that did a lot of research on the causes of migraines, it was in like Time magazine or something. They tried to induce migraines in migraine sufferers. They would do the bright lights and the chocolate and the coffee and all these things and they can't induce migraines from those conditions. There needs to be a stress component and something that is working in that subconscious that just lines up with certain emotions and fears you have. And perhaps there's a secondary gain to having a migraine. Maybe it helps get you out of something or it achieves a purpose. And so sometimes we might want to find out what that secondary gain issue is, um, the positive intention as we call it in the biz Um, okay. So here's another good miraculous one. Uh, man who was a cocaine addict, he sent me an email and he said, yeah, six months ago I happened on your website and it was the quitdrinkingnow.com. And I listened to the free session and the free session is like 12 minutes or something, or maybe 15 at the most. He says, and I listened to the free session, even though it was about drinking, For me, I applied it to my cocaine problem. He says, I have been using cocaine 
daily for 13 years. It is out of control. I have lost my wife and my family. They won't have anything to do with me. No one in my family will. I have lost my job and I have, you know, nothing. I'm, my life is just devastated and I haven't been able to quit even though I have tried everything. So he listened to this session, which basically takes you into the future to a time where you have solved a problem. In this case, you have solved the problem of either quitting drinking or in his case, quitting cocaine. So he goes into that future moment and experiences himself as a person who's strong and healthy and in control, no longer struggling with cocaine. It's not that he quit, it's that he is someone who doesn't have that in his life. So he's in his body and mind of that future self, experiencing himself being totally free from it. It's not even a possible thought in his mind. But what he's doing in that future moment for him is he's got this fabulous job. He's doing something that he loves. He has a new car. He has a beautiful place to live. He's you know got his family and the trust of the people around him. So anyway, he does that. And in his email, he says, that day I quit. That was it. And it's been six months and I've put my life back together. And I have absolutely no desire to do it. And, you know, after a 13-year habit where all of the consequences that you've suffered, nothing works. None of those consequences are bad enough to make you quit. No reward is good enough to make you quit. What we did, well, what he did by listening to the session was to experience himself as the person without a cocaine addiction and his brain changed. It changed his beliefs, his values, his behaviors, and something clicked because the subconscious mind is where it's at, isn't it? Yes, it is. And then interestingly enough, um, I've kept in touch with him as well. And he became an addiction treatment counselor. He got all certified and, (laughs) and does work helping other addicts. There is another addiction story that was an addiction counselor who had been in the business for 20 years, and he was a full-time addiction counselor in a treatment center, but nobody knew that he had relapsed five years ago. And so with all the tools he had and everything he knew about addiction treatment, he still wasn't able to overcome his relapse to alcohol. And in secret, he had been drinking daily, like to excess every day for five years. And he went to my site at quitaddictionfast.com and he did that program. It's a one-week program, and it's just sessions that continue, like do the same thing I told you about with a cocaine addict. It takes you into the future. It has you change your beliefs and your values and and get rid of the triggers and such. And he stopped drinking on the first day of that program, and he told me that, you know, I'm, it was months after he had done it, and he'd been sober and clean for months But he said, it is the most powerful thing I've ever experienced. And I've been doing this for 20 years. I go to all the training, all the education, the conferences. I'm in the addiction treatment business. And I know that, you know, nothing we do works very well. But he said, I did this and it totally changed everything. And so I just didn't need to drink anymore. And it wasn't even an issue. So another little awesome miracle. (laughs) Um. But speaking of interesting addiction things, um, when I was doing my radio show and I took callers, I had a woman call in who had tried to quit smoking with hypnosis. She said that she had been to four different hypnotists. They were all the one one hit wonders, you know, where they say, okay, one session, that's it, I'm going to fix you. 
And well, okay. So the problem with that is that if you're only doing one session as a hypnotherapist and your client comes in and it doesn't work, they either think you're no good or that they couldn't be hypnotized and they're not good enough to make it work. And they're not going to come back and tell you because they're embarrassed that it didn't work because you said, oh, it'll work in one session. It'll be totally fine. So you're not going to see them again. And, uh, and they're going to think you're a failure or they're a failure. So both of you lose. So don't do, don't do a single session and don't try to change everything in the first session. Remember, as a hypnotherapist, you want to first gain the trust and the rapport of the subconscious mind and help that person to be ready to make the changes as they gain more trust and their subconscious gains more confidence. Okay. So anyway, she calls in on the radio and she says, I've been to four hypnotists and Every one of them said they could make me stop smoking. And she said, every time I walked out of their office, I lit up a cigarette immediately. So what's up with that? Hypnosis doesn't work. And I said, wow, that's really interesting. So you just, you just light up a cigarette the moment that you walked out of the door. She says, yep, every time. So, so I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh what do I do now? Um, and it's live radio. It's, it was on an AM talk station in Sacramento. And... I said, well, what we could do is find out why you really do want to smoke. So, you know, if you have a few minutes right now, let's just go ahead and see if we can find out what's going on. And I asked her to relax and take a few breaths, and I counted downward a little bit. And I said, there's, there's a reason why smoking is important to you, and there's a reason why you love it. And there's something that's so deep that has such a great need to keep smoking. So I want you to honor that. And I want you to know that we are here to talk to that part of you or that need that absolutely has to keep smoking. So I said, I want you to go back to wherever that part was created or wherever that need felt like it was just the strongest, most important thing. And so then... She's on the other end of the phone, obviously, and she's just crying and you can hear her crying. And I'm thinking, Ooh, you know, on a live radio show, this was potentially a bit of a risk, but, um, I said, where are you and what are you experiencing and what are you aware of? And she said, I'm sitting with my grandfather and I'm 11 years old. And I said, what are you doing? I said, well, he's just, he's reading to me and we're laughing. And I love my grandpa so much. And I said, what else are you aware of with him? He says, oh, I just, he died when I was 11 years old. And, and, um, I still miss him every day. And I said, well, go back to being, um, with him there. And I want you just to notice what else you're aware of. And she says, well, I can smell his cigarette. I can smell the smoke because he always smokes. And I said, well, what do you notice when you smell that? She says, well, it tells me that he's there. And whenever I'm around him, that's what I smell. So then (sighs) her grandfather died when she was 11. And it was just devastating. And as an adult, it still is. It's still so hard for her to let go of this man that was just, you know, her rock. And so... I said, you're smoking. Is it connected to your grandfather? And she just started crying again. She says, oh, yes, 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 yes. I can't quit smoking because I love him so much. And that's the one thing that makes me feel so close to him even now. So what we did is 
We had her let go of that connection that she can love and honor her grandpa. And we found another way for her to really love and honor him and keep him in her heart. And we did some stuff with her seeing her inner child and her grandpa together and solidifying that, but that she wouldn't need the cigarettes anymore, that those her grandpa would love for her to be healthy and to live a long time and not struggle with the cigarettes anymore. And we had this conversation in her head. So then this whole thing, I bet you it was under 10 minutes. And then I bring her back to, you know, her awareness, have her talk about it a little bit. And she was still pretty, you know, um, upset and emotional. And so I said, right now I want you to just turn the radio off and write a letter to your grandpa. So then she called in the next day on the show and she said, I didn't smoke. It just, it isn't a thing anymore. I just didn't want to smoke. There, something happened and I, I still love my grandpa and I still miss him, but I don't need to smoke. Years later, she wrote me an email. She never smoked again. Never. That was it. And you know, it's just, oh my gosh, it's so wonderful to get to do the kind of work that helps people not only get over these things, but enlighten them to realize that, wow, there was something that was locking in this fear or this anger or this sadness or the whatever it is, a physical condition that they've tried and tried and tried to get over. So, um, (laughs) it's kind of a weird one that happened to me. I had plantar fasciitis. And if you know what that is, it's um, on the bottom of your feet when that fascia tightens up. And then there's a little spot on your heel that is like a little lump that is part of the process of making this fascia get all tight. And it's really hard. And when it gets bad in the morning, you can barely walk. And um, it's, I don't know, for everybody that has it, it's quite painful. They even cut the fascia. They'll go in there and, and cut it to try and relieve the pressure, but it doesn't get rid of the pain. So I decided I would do my little hypno best to release that because I didn't like having it. So I I went inside of my body, as I had told you earlier, and I traveled all the way down through one of my legs into one of the feet. And from the inside, I imagined that I was soothing that whatever tendon or fascia that it is and just making it really soft and flexible. And then also that little tight ball thing, whatever you call that dealy bobber in your heel that's part of it, I imagined that was dissolving and that you know, I just imagined it even with like little fingers dissolving it and melting it away and then did it in my other foot. And again, you know, my expectations weren't like, okay, this is going to work. This is going to be so amazing. (laughs) But I, um, just imagined it as vividly as I could. And then I imagined myself walking fine and getting up in the morning with no pain and no tightness and took myself a little farther into the future And a week later, a month later, a few months later, still feeling like my feet are totally happy feet and they're walking free from pain. And, you know, the weirdest thing was it worked. (laughs) So uh, the next day when I got up, the pain was way less. And I think two or three days later, it was just gone. And I'd had it for a few months. It was just gone. You know, and I thought sometimes since I, you know, I want to try hypnosis, but maybe I think, okay, well, I'll wait. This will go away on its own, you know. So you could try it right away, and you could do it for any condition that you have right away. Like I say, there's no downside. You might get relief. 
a lot faster than you expect. But here's the um, even more interesting thing about the plantar fasciitis story. I was on the phone with my oldest brother several months later, and he was talking about how he has plantar fasciitis in one of his feet, and it's bothering him because he can't go running or something, and he described it and talked about it, and I was like, oh, wow, that's too bad, huh? Well, you know, I did do some work to get rid of mine. But we, you know, we discussed it a little bit. But what, here's what was so interesting is him talking about his plantar fasciitis and the pain and what it prevents him from doing, of course, is being absorbed in my mind. And it reactivated something in my brain that was the pain, the limitation, the fear of it happening or whatever. And the next morning I wake up with it again. It was months later. And my feet, again, have the tightness. And so I went in and I worked on reversing that again. I did the same thing, went back into my body, into my feet, smoothed and soothed and programmed it to no longer have that. And it was gone that day. But, but it was psychosomatic. It was his talking about it and suggesting it re-triggered whatever it was in my body that created that tightness and that pain. Isn't that crazy? so weird how our brains work. I know, right? (laughs) Okay, so um, here's a pretty dandy story. And this one was not me doing it, but my friend Bob is a neurosurgeon. He is a great neurosurgeon, and he operates on people's brains all the time. But he had a, a patient who was in the hospital who was blind, who had gone blind, And the next day, Bob was going to do surgery on his brain to try and restore his sight. Um, And I don't remember what they thought the condition was, but Bob had an idea um, to use some hypnosis because Bob loves hypnosis. And he, you know, as a brain surgeon, he understands a lot about how the brain works. But he told me that all of these neurosurgeons who are the experts in brain science, he said, We only know how 20% of the brain works. We don't understand 80% of the brain, why it does what it does, how it does it. Which is um, either good news because the mysterious aspect of the brain means we can use, we can kind of experiment on ourselves using hypnosis and trance states to create what we want. But also, you know, the neurosurgeons are sometimes are guessing and they're doing their best and I'm sure they're doing a fantastic job. So his patient, who's going to be going into surgery the next morning, Bob goes into his room the night before and he talks to him, telling him a story. And he tells him a story about seeing the sunrise out of his hospital window in the morning and seeing the beautiful colors and describing all of this, um, about, if I remember right, I think he actually described how he'd get out of bed and he'd walk over to the window and just did this whole thing about his eyesight. And the guy the next morning could see. I guess he went to the window and saw the sunrise and he no longer needed brain surgery, which is a good thing. <laughs> but it's it's just fascinating. Bob took the chance to think, you know, tell him a little story and let's just see if his sight comes back. Like I say, Bob really loves hypnosis because he's used it a lot with patients and people and um, seems to work quite well for him. Okay, so here's one more story. 
And then what I'm going to do is help you to use these techniques for yourself. So if you, if you need a really good program that's going to help you heal a condition in your body or cover all of the aspects of the physical ailment, the mental condition, the psychic and the energetic and the, all of the different components of healing something in your body, you want to get the Body Mastery Program from me. You can download it or you can get the CDs. So there's seven days or seven or eight days of each day there's a video which helps teach you what you're going to experience and then the hypnosis session. And there's also a booklet that comes with it. So it's a very comprehensive program. No matter what it is that you're struggling with, there's no downside to doing it. There's no no reason not to try it, but there's a big upside to it for any condition. Anyway, you can get that at wendy.com slash bodymastery. So body mastery, all one word, Wendy with an I, of course, wendy.com slash body mastery. Okay. So the, um, client that I had, her name is Martha and Martha, I think at the time she was about 60 years old and she was in her house, in her bed and she couldn't move for three years. She was unable to move. She didn't have a stroke. They couldn't find anything wrong with her, but she was basically catatonic. Her two adult daughters lived with her and took care of her. So many things obviously had been done to try and help her over the three years. But after three years, her muscles were getting really tight and her hands were all like clenched and cramped up and her legs were tight and um, she could move her eyes so she could see and she could blink, but that's all she could do. So her daughters asked me if I would come to the house and come and see her. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of faith in like trying to figure out how to help someone who was in that kind of state, but I definitely wanted to take it on to, you know, just give them as much support and love as I could. And I went there to see her and every Monday I went to see Martha, which is Mondays with Martha. Um, and each one was an absolute blessing for me and for her. And it, oh my gosh, it, it just, it was an amazing experience. So the first the first day of going in there, of course, um, she uh, really could not move. There was no voluntary movements except she could blink her eyes. And they would try to get her to like blink once for yes or twice for no, something like that. And sometimes they got that communication. Um, but other than that, there was just nothing else that could be done. So I decided to try and reconnect her with her senses. That was the first thing I wanted to do was get her her conscious and subconscious mind to be reconnected with all of the senses in her body. And I thought the way that I want to do that is to have her get a very vivid sensory experience, but I can't ask her any questions and I can't find out, you know, anything about what she's feeling or going through. So I, I put her into trance because I'm going to assume that she can hear and experience what's going on. And I would touch her sometimes and just say, when I touch you, you know, you'll feel this or that. Um, and I had her go to a beautiful open meadow that was along the side of some hills. And it was a beautiful sunny day, just the right temperature. And the air on her skin was just such a nice, refreshing feeling. And um, there was a little creek. And I described this creek. And all I was doing was describing what I saw in my mind. And I said, 
you know, you're walking by that little creek and you just stop in this soft grassy spot and you're barefoot. You can feel the grass in your feet. It feels so good. And what I was doing was trying to get her brain to use these memories to reconnect with sensations. And then put your feet in the creek and just feel the cool water and you can hear the sound of the water falling over the little rocks and the little bubbling musical sounds that it makes. And then I thought I want to um, work on her hands as well. So I said, you know, just step over back onto the grass and go to that nice opening there and just sit down for a moment and notice out in the distance there's some children playing. There's two little girls that are coming down the trail and they come down there and sit with you and there's some little flowers the little ones that grow in the grass they're the ones that we used to make daisy chains with so you pick the flower and you're showing the two little girls how to make a little slot in the stem and push the next flower through it and how to make daisy chains out of these flowers and together, the girls use their little, their fingernails to put a little slot in the stem, and you feed the flower through that, and you make these beautiful necklaces out of these little flowers that are little white puffy balls of flower. There were some other things I described about what the girls were doing or what they said, and um, it was really it was really a special. Uh, experience for me, even though Martha couldn't respond. So after we were done with the session, um, her two adult daughters were in the room with me at the time. And after we're done, the two girls are looking at me. The women said, how did you know? I said, know what? How did you know? That's, we, that's the place where we grew up. And everything you described right there is what we did. And we did sit there and make daisy chains. And she taught us how. I said, oh, well, I didn't, I, I wasn't thinking that those girls were the two of you. I was really just describing what I was seeing and feeling in my, in my mind. And so anyway, they said that everything I described was from their past and was something real that had happened with Martha. So somehow, perhaps I connected with her and was sharing what she was feeling and experiencing. So next Monday, I come in. And her condition is still the same, but we started working on getting her fingers to relax. And so I would talk about her fingers being like Play-Doh and I would touch them because they were very cramped and very tight and they hadn't moved. You couldn't unbend them for anything. But I would touch each finger and say, remember Play-Doh when, when your girls were little or when you were little and how it's so soft and so flexible. And this finger that I'm touching is red Play-Doh. Oh, it's so cool. And this one's blue and this one's yellow. And I would just touch her fingers and talk about Play-Doh. Her fingers started softening up and I could actually move them a little bit, which was kind of a miracle after three years. And then I would do things to help her legs to get a little bit looser or uncramped. And, and I did many things in each session. I spent, oh, probably over an hour with her every, every Monday. So then the next week when I came to see her, her hands were much more flexible. I could actually touch them and move her fingers. They weren't cramped up anymore. 
and her legs were more straight and softer and not all bent up and, and locked up. When I came in the room one of the Mondays, probably after about a month, I walked in and her eyebrows raised when she saw me and her head turned a little bit towards me, something she had never done after three years. And then I came in the next week and her mouth made a little bit of a smile, her eyebrows raised, and her cheek muscles moved just enough to make a little smile. And then I had her do something that's called idiomotor responses, so I would ask that a yes response would be a movement in a finger or a hand, and a no response in the other hand or finger. And we actually ended up with a yes response being in her right hand, and a no response was in her left leg. And it was consistent, and I would ask her questions, and then she could make that movement with her right hand or her left leg. And her improvement was getting quite dramatic, considering that she had not moved her body in three years. So I had her imagine going inside of her body and bringing all this health into her body and that, you know, her awareness, her hearing, all of her senses were coming back and her connection with the muscles and the nerves and all the parts of her body were beginning to get better. And and she improved um, to where her daughters could actually have her sit up. They helped her, of course, but they could. her body was flexible enough to go into a sitting position on the bed. And so they would sit her up and then move her legs so that she was sitting with her legs hanging off the bed, something that could never have been accomplished because her body was just in a tight, locked-up position. She could make more sounds. And she could make some sounds, not words, but she could make some sounds that were definitely coming from her um, attempting to talk, something she hadn't done in three years. So things were progressing, but then Martha got an infection and she was in the hospital. And they asked me if I would help out because they, the doctors didn't expect her to live from the infection. And they had to put a breathing tube in her. So when you take a breathing tube out, often a person's body and brain forgets how to breathe. So sometimes people will die when they take the breathing tube out because they, their brain, the, the, the tube and the oxygen has been breathing for them. And especially in Martha's case, since they can't really communicate with her very well and, you know, because of her condition. So they asked me to go there and help her when they take the breathing tube out. So I went to the hospital and about a half hour before they were going to do the, the removal, I worked with her. I put my face right next to her ear, and I very softly said, you know how to breathe. It's the first thing you did when you were born was you took this big breath in. Your body knows how to breathe. It always has known how to breathe. It's natural, and it's easy, and it's automatic. So when they take the tube out you'll notice that the first thing you feel is your lungs expand and that wonderful breath of life, the very thing that you have always known. It's automatic. It happens unconsciously. For you, it's going to happen the moment you feel 
You can take in the air. Your body's going to expand your lungs. And you're going to feel that breath, the same breath that you have breathed millions of times. It'll be easy for you. So at about that time, there's a man who walked in who was probably a nurse, and um, he heard what I was doing, and he, he saw that I was talking to her right in her ear. And then when I took kind of took a break, because he was making a lot of noise, <laughs> thank you very much, anyway, I kind of took a break, and I looked up at him, and he said, loudly enough for her to hear, and me, obviously, She's not going to be able to breathe, you know. The moment we take that tube out, she's just not going to breathe. It just doesn't happen that way. So here he is. I've got her in this very suggestible state, and he says she's not going to be able to breathe. She just won't. It just doesn't happen. So I I just told him, I said, shh. (laughs) And I went right back to Martha's ear, and I said, it's okay. You do know how to breathe, and you're going to be able to breathe just like you've done millions of times. Every breath is automatic and natural, and you remember from the moment you're born how easy it is to breathe. So we did that. So then um, they took the tube out, and guess what she did? She took a big breath, and she breathed. And um, she continued to breathe. But it was interesting that this the guy that was the nurse that came in He was just willing to totally blow it, had no interest in what I was doing or why I would be doing that, and, you know, was exerting his power to sabotage any success we were making. And, uh, in fact, she did breathe, and she did great. And she continued to improve. She got better from the infection, and they took her home, and um, they could put her in a wheelchair and take her for walks now. Um, not not her walking, but, you know, they could go places with her, which was fabulous because they really wanted to make their mom's life be something that is a you know, rewarding experience rather than lying in a bed all locked up. So for all of them, it gave them freedom and gave them a life and gave them the ability to go places with her. And she did well. I wasn't seeing her anymore at that point, but she did well for several months. And then, um, she got another infection of some sort and she wasn't able to fight it off and she did pass away. Um, they let me know what had happened, um, how grateful they were for the time they had with their mother. And during that time, um, boy, they got to know that they were giving her a gift of having a life, even in, inside of her locked up body, that she was still having this life that every Monday, with every fiber of her being, she could look over towards the door and and put a little bit of a smile and get a sound to come out of her mouth, and that her eyebrows raised, and that her body wasn't all cramped up anymore. It was soft and relaxed, and and it was just, it was I mean, it was very very wonderful. I it was about an hour's drive for me every day or every Monday, and on the way home, I I didn't turn on the radio. I didn't do anything. I just sat there and just I rode home in awe of what is possible and the potential that we have and what we don't know and, you know, what we need to do to really connect and to give to people to show them what's possible. So deep breath. (sighs) The stories that I've shared with you are a drop in the bucket of what I've experienced in the last 20 years of working with clients and also working with them with recordings and the programs that I've created. So Um, I hope this has inspired you to try things on your own. 
um, help your children or your loved ones or your parents or anybody at all by making sure that you create the most positive expectation and the imagination that could trigger the brain to help the body to heal a condition, get rid of some pain, to overcome something like debilitating migraines. And if you're a hypnotherapist, you know, to really embrace the power that you have to create miracles for people and to help them heal. And we don't know what the limits are. And we have, (laughs) oh my, we all have so many stories as hypnotherapists that, that show that, you know, there's a lot of things that are possible that we didn't expect or believe would happen. And, and we didn't, um, you know, we didn't come into it going like, okay, I'm going to make some miracles happen. Um, I would love to hear your stories and your experiences as well as a hypnotherapist or as a client or someone who's used my programs of what you've experienced. And I would love to share them with others on our podcast. So I can do that anonymously. I don't have to have your name. But anyway, if you want to have some miracles in your own life that you need, like some healing or something to, um, to overcome physical, mental, emotional, energetic aspects of some bad health, take a look at the Body Mastery program. The first day is free. If you go to wendy.com slash body mastery, remember wendi.com slash body mastery, you'll find it. Um, so there you can uh, watch the first video and I think the first audio as well and uh, get started on doing something different with your body and your mind. And also, you know, be really conscious of your negative thoughts. Like if you have back pain and you say, oh man, I'm just going to have this back pain for the rest of my life. Or every time I try to do this or that, you know, my back just flares up and it just, oh, and then, then, then the, the <laughs> sorry about that. The chiropractor says I have degenerating discs and it's just going to get worse if I don't go see him three times a week. You know, so now you've accepted a belief from a doctor or chiropractor or whoever about your condition, but maybe you want to program what you want to have happen in your body and in your mind. And I'm not saying that every, you know, every ailment or disease or physical condition can be overcome, but I just hear it over and over and over. Like someone who is listening to some CDs of mine, they had COPD, which is chronic obstructed pulmonary disease. Yeah. Where you have limited amount of oxygen you can breathe. So she was at 20%. She could only breathe the 20% of the capacity of her lungs. She listened to some CDs and she says, they just tested me. I'm at 80%. In just a few days, I can suddenly breathe 80%. Ah, come on. And the, you know, the medical community would say that can't happen, you know, without lots of drugs and procedures. And even that doesn't do it, but you got to, got to open your mind to some miracles and invite them into your life and wonder what is possible. So thank you for listening. It has uh, been my pleasure to share some of these stories with you. And I'd love to hear some of your stories as well. Um, And share the podcast with your friends. Subscribe, please, in iTunes, if you use it in iTunes. And, um, you know, invite your friends to subscribe and listen to the podcast. I'm going to try and do many of these a week and enlighten you and encourage you and, and hope that you will create miracles in your life. Thank you for being here. Big hugs reaching out to you with a lot of love. 
And I will talk to you again next time. You have a fabulous and magical day. I'm Wendy Friesen, and I want to encourage you to make sure that your life is just as magical as it can be. Bye-bye.